Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Both Randy and Cameron sent me a story out of Artnet, Artnet.com. And this one is fascinating. It's bizarre, but it's fascinating. And so this is one of those stories that is just so unusual. But um, Sarah Cascone wrote this about a painter named Peter Doig. D-O-I-G. Peter Doig. I'd never heard of him before. But he sounds like a fascinating character, and he got swept up in something quite unusual. He just won $2.5 million in sanctions against a gallery that tried to get him to take credit for something he didn't paint. So Peter Doig, if you look him up, has painted some extremely valuable paintings for a living artist. He has set a bunch of records. I don't know if they still stand, but at one time or another, some of his paintings set records for artists who are still alive. Millions of dollars for paintings. So Peter Doig is out there, and someone comes along and says, hey, Peter, we're, we're going to auction off a painting you did, okay? And he goes, I didn't paint that. Which, by the way, is a, a plot point in an early Frasier episode, but not related to this because this just happened now. And he goes, I didn't paint that. And they go, yes, you did. And he goes, no, I didn't. And they sued him for saying he didn't paint it. Turns out, he didn't paint it. Painting looked like an early Peter Doig, but it was actually the work of someone else named Peter Doig. <laughs> Painted while the second Peter Doig was incarcerated. And the way we know they're different people is Peter Doig, who painted the painting, spells his name D-O-I-G-E. Whereas the real Peter Doig spells his name D-O-I-G. It's one of them weird coincidences that there's two people painting with that strange name close enough to being identical. D-O-I-G and D-O-I-G-E. So in a satisfying ending to one of the odder legal battles in recent years, Peter Doig has won a $2.5 million sanction ruling in federal court against a Chicago gallery that had sued him for disavowing a painting. After a trial in 2016 in which Doig himself testified, a judge ruled that the artist absolutely did not paint the disputed work. The judge has now ordered the owner of the painting and the gallery and their lawyer to pay the defendants $2.5 million in sanctions. And unfortunately, yes, this means that Peter Doig, the artist, actually spent a ton of money defending himself when he was right. The defendants had requested attorney fees in the amount of $2.8 million, as well as $610,000 in other expenses, but the judge reduced the fees by a bit, saying that there was issues with the billing, but he said uh, that he's going to grant that. Meanwhile, the artist's lawyer said in a statement that Mr. Doig will donate any money he gets from this matter to a not-for-profit that provides incarcerated people opportunities to create art. Why incarcerated people? Well, the actual artist behind the work in question was an inmate at Ontario's Thunder Bay Correctional Center. Uh, and someone named Fletcher, who worked as a correctional officer at the facility, bought the painting from Peter Doig with an E, who was a classmate turned inmate who created the painting in 1976 in the painting uh, in the prison's fine arts educational program. Okay, so a man is in prison named Peter Doig with an E. He paints a painting 
and somebody who works at the facility gets the painting from him. Okay? So that man's name is Fletcher. Fletcher helped Doig with an E, gain membership to the Seafarers Union after he got out of prison, and purchased the painting for 100 bucks. He paid 100 bucks for the painting. It hung in his home until 2011 when a visiting friend spotted the Peter Doig signature and identified it as a work of the famous Doig, No E. That's when a gallery got involved. Now, if this was a work by the famous Doig, No E, who is Scottish, seemed plausible because it turns out that the real Doig, No E, had spent time living in Canada as a teenager. And so he could have been in Canada as a teenager. Maybe he painted this painting. Somehow this guy got this painting. But there were some issues with this, not the least of which is that it seemed that this painting had come from prison, (laughs) which is something you'd remember if you spent time in prison, okay? Indeed, when the gallery owner approached Sotheby's with the painting, the auction house was intrigued, asking for more information about this wonderful early painting by Peter Doig, no E., Writing that your work has the trademark eeriness of the empty landscape and a stratified composition which recalls his later work. But when they reached out to the real Doig via the artist's reps uh, from a New York gallery, uh, they ran into a brick wall. The artist said he had not made that painting. He said he did not know Fletcher and that he'd never been in school in Thunder Bay and certainly never been in prison there. The gallery then sued Doig (laughs) in April 2013, insistent that the artist was now lying about the painting because he didn't want the truth about his incarceration to get out. So he's lying because he doesn't want people to know he spent time in prison. Well, you know, prison records in uh, modern times are pretty easy to check. So to find out if somebody's been in prison, trust me, you can figure that out. The lawsuit maintained that by refusing to authenticate his work, he was preventing the plaintiffs from selling it or for what they claimed could be as much as an $8 million payday. So the real Doig and his lawyers fired back with all sorts of documentation based on his real name, his full name. Uh, Lakehead University did not have records of his enrollment, which is something they claimed that he would have done. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police did not have any records of this man being convicted of anything. And paperwork from the artist's high school showed he was still a student there at the time of this work's creation. The timeline didn't even work out. They then also tracked down a woman who said that she was the sister of the deceased Peter Doig with an E. In September of 2013, she confirmed that Doig, with an E, had spent time behind bars at Thunder Bay and provided a statement of his 2012 death from the funeral home. And by the way, it turns out that Doig, with an E, uh, was born four years before the artist Doig. That's when the court asked the attorneys for the plaintiffs if they wanted to drop their case. Now, here's the thing. In litigation... You're not supposed to bring frivolous claims just to file a lawsuit with no basis. So you've got to have a good faith belief in your underlying case, and you've got to be able to say with a straight face that we have evidence, bring it out of trial, we can prove our case. If there comes a time when it becomes apparent you've got no case, uh, you want to bail as quickly as possible because the rules on bringing a case with no basis 
can come back to bite you. And so the judge in a federal court, when he leans over the bench and says, you might want to consider dropping your case, you really want to look at the possibility that you should drop your case. Now, of course, if you had more evidence, it hadn't come out. You said, well, Your Honor, I got more evidence. But it's starting to look like there's two people. And it's just a really, really weird coincidence that they both have names that begin with D-O-I-G. One, however, has that extra letter. And it turns out there is a person who's now passed away who that was who's different than the person who's now alive because by definition, you can't be both passed away and alive simultaneously. That's another problem for another video. So the court asked him, do you want to drop your case? And um, he warned the lawyer that if the defendants turn out to be right, just because you had an objectively reasonable basis, assuming you did, at the beginning of the case, you can lose an objectively reasonable basis in the middle of the litigation. And it's at least conceivable that this is that time. So the judge was saying, you can get out now. And it's not going to cost you. And they said, no. Indeed, instead, the case pressed on to trial. The judge had the opportunity to dismiss the complaint, but did not, based on the plaintiff's insistence that they knew uh, that one of these people could vouch for the fact the artist had actually been in prison. So both Doig with an E's ex-wife and his Thunder Bay art teacher both further corroborated the existence of Peter Edward Doig with the E and the likelihood that he had painted the art in question here during his time in jail. So they said, you know, we knew the guy and that's what he did. In the sanctions ruling, the judge found that the plaintiffs had made a reasonable inquiry into the facts before taking the action, but should have begun to have substantial doubt about their claims shortly after filing the case. And so if you read the court rules, and there's a federal set of rules for the federal courts, most states have their own rules that are similar but slightly different, but federal court is very, very serious that when you have a lawsuit and you filed it, an attorney signs it, the attorney is vouching for the fact that they've done a reasonable inquiry into the facts underlying the claim, and they have a belief those facts can be proved out in court. And if you file a case without doing that, like I said, it can come back to haunt you. News of the ruling was first reported just a little while ago by an Instagram account uh, which closely followed the original trial. The account questions the ability of the prison guard and elderly print dealer to pay for whatever the malpractice insurance carrier doesn't cover <laughs> and claims that uh, they've now offered Doig a bizarre settlement if he will keep something secret, uh, suggesting they still believe the painting is by the one Doig and not the other. It's unclear here. But after this all came forward, and once it became clear there was no other Doig family members to contradict the account of the woman who said, yeah, I'm his sister. To continue the litigation past that point was objectively unreasonable as the complaint's central allegations had completely unraveled under the weight of contrary evidence. It's a judge writing. The judge awarded sanctions for all legal action after May 7, 2014, after which point they should have known that their claims were meritless and stood no chance of success. So it's a crazy case. It goes quite a ways back, unfortunately. But I checked the dateline on the story, and it was uh, just published this week 
in Artnet.com. Uh, Sarah Cascone wrote that. And it's a bizarre story because you hear about these cases. I saw one just last week um, in the New York Post, but I saw it before that also. There's two baseball players with the same name who look identical, who are unrelated to each other. <laughs> Strange thing. I've mentioned before, there's other people in America named Steve Lato. But the fact that there's an artist named Doig, D-O-I-G, whose paintings are worth millions of dollars, and then somebody comes up with a painting that's signed by a guy who signed it, Doig, and it's D-O-I-G-E, but I don't know how clear that E was. Somebody goes, oh, it's an early Doig. It might be worth millions of dollars. So they call him up and ask him about it. He goes, no, no, it's not mine. I didn't do that. Now, what is an interesting question here is, does the artist have an obligation to, in essence, admit or, or vouch for a, an artwork that he's painted? So let's suppose that I made a painting. Okay, I painted something. And I signed my name to it. Sloppy signature, but I signed my name to it. And I sell it for 100 bucks. 20 years from now, someone comes along and goes, hey, Steve, did you paint this? Am I legally obligated to say, yes, I did? Do you want a certificate of authenticity? I guess I, oh, sure. Do I have to? Now, I understand that if you lied and said, no, I did not paint that, I can see how somebody might say, you know, for you to make a false statement about this thing owned by somebody else, that's almost like a form of slander uh, or libel, you know, a false statement about something. But I'm not necessarily sure that that's an obligation you have as an artist. Because most artists will tell you that if you've got my artwork and you're using it, I'll say, hey, that's mine, like for a copyright claim, right? But when somebody shows something goes, is this yours? Couldn't he have just said, I don't want to get involved? I wonder what would have happened if he'd done that. Or would they have sued him to force him to speak and say it was his? I don't know. But he came out and said, no, that's not me. That's not mine. I didn't do that. And they sued him, in essence, <laughs> to force him. To take credit for painting he said he didn't do. And it turns out he didn't do it. And right about now, there's some people who are feeling the hurt of $2.5 million in sanctions going, gee, I kind of wish we hadn't found this $100 painting and gone to all this trouble to attribute it to somebody who says they didn't paint it. So there you go. But it's a crazy case. Randy and Cameron both sent it. Thanks a lot from artnet.com. Painter Peter Doig, no he wins $2.5 million in sanctions against a gallery that tried to force him to take credit for something that he didn't paint. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Thinking is one thing no one has ever been able to tax. Hmm.